Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We're your Hey everyone, I'm Wa. And I'm Chris, and welcome to Docu Sweeties. We're two longtime friends who discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docu-series. Yes, but through our own lens, which can, let's be honest, I mean, riddled with blood, with, um, oh yeah, no, lots of blood, honey. And it could be, it could be salty blood, just kind of like irony, salty, warm blood. You know, the kind of blood that like, you know, fills your mouth when, uh, when you bite your lip. But at the end of the day, hopefully mildly sweet. Guess whose pizza's done? It's wah! <laughs> Honey, that pizza's done, honey. Anyway, so we are so excited to talk about Murdoch Murders, a Southern scandal, honey. This is a docu-series that's on Netflix, Murdoch Murders, a Southern scandal. This is episode one. Where's Mallory? You know... First of all, I love the name Mallory. Like, I don't hear the name Mallory enough. So, like, that's already great. I, like, really enjoy this uh, Netflix docuseries. And obviously timely as, I mean, spoiler alert, there's a whole murder trial happening with Alex Murda of Murda dynasty of South Carolina. And, um, you know, he for sure was found guilty, honey, on all accounts. That just happened. This is late breaking news. So um, we are excited to bring you this documentary, which is like, you know, short snippets. So we might uh, have short episodes for you as we dive into this man's crazy wild existence. I mean, I, what a mess. That's all I have to say. It's a mess. Yeah, it is quite interesting, his scenario, because I want to know the truth. I'm at the point where I just want to know what actually happened. So I wish that this happened like 20 years ago so that there could have miraculously been some kind of eyewitness or new evidence so that we could actually find out because this man's going to go to his grave, never admitting to whatever he's done. I, you know, it's interesting. It's like, yeah, we want to know and we can talk about it. Like, did you watch all the trial too? Obviously you watch this docuseries. Did you watch the trial? No. It's fine. Um, Because I really didn't either. I just watched the highlights. But to me, I have like a theory. And I guess what I wanted to say is do we maybe at the end of this season, uh, whatever, episode four, we can like talk about what we think our theories are of what actually happened. You know, Um, we have to get there first. And here's the thing. It's not just we're not even going to get into the trial murders of his wife and son yet. Like we're just going to go back, back in time. We're going to talk about you know, Mallory's life, honey, and what happened to Mallory, you know, and um, spoiler alert, she's no longer on this earth, babes. Uh, She's not on this earth. So, but there's just a trial. There's just, sorry, there is just a, you know, trail of tears and, um, would be wrong word choice, of bloodshed and um, dead bodies all in the South. I, you know, love any sort of like Southern Gothic, Tennessee Williams style, but it's like murder, madness, 
bad weather, hanging trees, humidity, you know, fog at night, you know, nefarious characters, darkness, you know, like, I mean, it's literally a whole genre and it's the, uh, the accurate genre of this tale. And then they obviously shoot the docuseries that way. It starts with aerial footage shots of, you know, the swampy bayou South of like South Carolina. It's like flatlands. They call it low country. It's wet. You know, it's wa- It's like coastal, but it's like, you know, it's, it's a murky bayou life. You know what? Yeah. And then they have um, a voiceover of, of them talking about how there was five deaths in six years and that they have to kind of just, delve into this because it is so there's a lot going on and that's why i said in the beginning that i really wish that i could know the actual truth because um people are still scared of the murdoch family the murdoch family we think that okay alec alex his name is alex but he says alec it's weird there's a lot of (laughs) there is a lot of weird pronunciations like this these these people's last name is spelled murdoch Unless the G, the G and the H in like Gaelic or whatever like European <laughs> tongue makes the sound of a K, then everyone's saying their name wrong, including themselves. Yeah, <laughs> the is Murdoch, and I'm like, no, Murdoch has some kind of C or a K or a K sound. Murdoch, is it's it Murdoch? Murdoch? Like I said, unless in Gaelic, and for those of you who are Irish or Scottish or of the old folk on the on the British Isle. Um, can t- can tell me because you know like the name Seamus is spelled S E A M U S, and Shay Sh- the name Siobhan is spelled O H B A N. So like I'm saying, so unless Murdoch is a part of that language and the G and the H make a K sound, they're all saying their names wrong. Anyways, so this man, his full name, first name is like Richard or something, right? But he goes by the name of Alec even though his middle name is Alexander. And um, he's got a lot going on. But this first episode to me is kind of disjointed in the way that they're telling the story. Mm -hmm. They really and truly want us to believe that Mallory would have gone on to save starving children in Uganda had her life not been cut short. Like, they have put, I mean, they've had found, found footage of her as a kid doing pageants and like they, I mean, it is heavy, heavy, heavy. And, and like, do they go in on Steven? No. Not at all. You're right. They don't, they don't get found footage of Steven's fucking childhood. Um, do they get found footage of Maggie and what her upbringing was? And, you know, like Paul is painted as like such a terrible character and the only sliver of like well there were, might be other mitigating circumstances is, is anthony is anthony cook his best friend okay anyways let's get back into it so great it's a great point it's a great point now having said that obviously mallory's family was very very helpful for this i mean the whole document the whole documentary is really about that night and those people they're the biggest people in all of our families in it steven's family i don't even remember if they're they're not even we don't even meet them Nope. They don't want to be a part of it. Maybe that's maybe that's also a thing. Maybe, you know? maybe. And but I just I wish they had spent as much time. Like I don't know. It just felt like one whole episode being like, "Where's Mallory?" Does not even equate to Alec Murdaugh himself going to prison. Like it is like this documentary of what we are talking about is is just one piece of of a big ass pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a piece of pie that Wally's about to eat. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking that this 
documentary is about Alec Murdoch, uh, you would be incorrect. Oh, <laughs> definitely about Mallory Beach. Yeah, <laughs> this documentary <laughs> is about Mallory Beach. Um, and it's, it's, Miley. About Paul. it's about Paul a little bit. Yeah, it's about Paul because he's the main antagonist of this story. And then it talks about his father, but not nearly enough. Can we go, I mean, just like next episode or maybe this episode, I'm not sure, where they talk about the fact that some of the stuff that Alec and Maggie did that was just like completely inappropriate as parents. And you have to like think like, oh my God, what the pathology of alcoholism and how some folks just can never get away with it. And they just continue no matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are. Right. Anyways. So Mallory and Anthony, this is this great love story. Uh, they've known each other since they were little bitty kids and they've been kind of like friends of the family and all that jazz. And all of a sudden when they were like in their teenage years, like 19 or whatever, they finally got together. Like, I don't even, I think they went to prom together. Like, I think it was like 18 and 19. That's the, those are the years in which they finally got together after just like years and years of childhood <laughs> edging. Just childhood edging, like just like wanting to be with each other and not being with them. And childhood edging? Them to the brink and never getting together. Oh, We've got the four main characters, okay, of this episode. We've got Miley, Morgan, Mallory. If you think that you're going to be able to tell the difference between them, you're not really until you get about a quarter of the way through. And then you're finally like, oh, because they show Morgan in three different outfits or two different outfits. And every time I never know who she is. No, no. <laughs> so... So um, anyways, there's three friends, three besties, right? First it was, um, let me tell you how great Mallory is. Like, let me tell you, okay? Not only is Mallory just one of like the most peaceful duck saving creatures on the face of this planet. Like she's the person who like washes the ducks off with Dawn when they're in like an oil spill. That's oh, Mallory, right. okay? yeah, And she, um, she has uh, a best friend, Miley, who um, she walked up to when they were like, in elementary school and was like, you're pretty. And that's how they became friends. And then later on, when, Mor um, when Morgan moved into town, Mallory saw Morgan and she goes up to her and she goes, your shoes are so cute. And they all became friends. So it was the three M's. And it um, was Can I talk for a second? I have to talk about this. Yeah. It's a great way to meet someone. If you want to meet someone, just go up to them and compliment them but it has to be genuine you have to truly feel what you're about to say and say it and let it land and don't look like you want something to come back from you just feel like you needed to say it and it makes you as happy to say it that it should be for them to hear it and i will also say this one of the you know parts they're going to show is this low country people stay people have lived here you know Mallory's dad and Anthony's dad, like, you know, built each other's like houses. And so as they're building the houses, Mallory's running around at two with Anthony, you know, and they're just like running in the backwoods with maybe, you know, you can think of them just being like in boots, you know, just like her hair is messy and they're like picking rocks, you know, whatever. And I love the idea because, yeah, he's very much like, he's hot as hell and he's very much like look i've been partying but when i ended up re-getting with mallory like why can't i bring this up she oh, she really like made me settle down and that's really funny to me because again they are like 
17, 18, 19. So to have like this person be like, she made me settle is like, I mean, were you 45? It's a, that's a crazy thing to say, you yeah, know, but, but he it. Southern behavior. This is like Southern old fashioned, like you're a man when you turn 17 type business, because the way he was talking about partying and carrying on was that like he spent his entire twenties partying. No, he spent his 16, 7, 15, 14, 15, 16. And we'll learn a little bit more about that, which is what I thought was fascinating that they didn't go into. Um, Chris, sorry, go ahead. Did you have more to say? You know, I just like, yeah, um, it's so easy to be girls. Um, it's so easy to like make girlfriends if you have like, if you love, if, if, if you're confident, you know, and if you're not confident, it's hellish to make girlfriends at that age. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Okay, so... <laughs> well has nothing to say about that no yes and honey and a no but okay great yeah no i was gonna say um oh. yeah i mean not yes i was gonna say okay i didn't have that experience like i don't really remember what i just remember all of my relationships being rather tenuous um and i can't say whether or not i was what's that word confident I don't think I was I wasn't but I thought I was it was confidence who was your like okay so from so at this age my best friends are Katie Jensen and Marie Marie Flanagan we're at we're at modern day together this is like my high school's crew you know those are my those are my best friends we would have prom together and all that stuff like who is your best duties it changed so the friends that I had in the ninth grade I'm trying to remember who they are and I think we were just like a band of misfits. And then like the sophomore year, can't remember, junior year, um, I had my theater friends. So I've always had my, once I joined theater, I've always had my theater friends, but they weren't my friends outside of theater. Mainly because like, I was just like too cool. Uh, they were like really theater. They were like the kind of theater. And, and not only were they really theater, their parents also took them to see theater. Whereas I was like somebody who just did it, but never knew never knew of a rent you know people would start singing rent and i'd be like oh <laughs> i had no I, my parents would have never taken me to see rent they would have never taken me to see ragtime they would have never bought me any kind of musical like whatever it just wasn't part of their modus operandi so i didn't hang out with my theater friends and uh, but then my senior year of high school i had i got a little crew randomly and like Doreen and I are friends on Instagram and we chitty chat all the time, but it never went like our, everyone's lives just kind of dispersed after that. I went to Cal Poly and then Kathy and I became really good friends, my friend, Catherine and Catherine and I went to high school together and we went to college together and we're still friends now. So like, oh, but it was, yes. yeah, but it always like, it always kind of diverted. Like Dorothy was always there. You know, I lived in the same home my, that entire time. So like Dorothy was around the corner. Like, so it's like all of my friends were, I am a very much isolated type person. Like I have pockets of friends here. I have a pocket, I have a friend there. I have a friend here. I have a, and none, they will never meet. <laughs> Maybe one time, but I don't gather them together. Um, Why? Cause I don't want to have to navigate personalities. Okay. Yeah, I feel like each of them would give me anxiety. Like, yeah, I feel like I would have to like navigate. Like, I would feel like I would have to like manage the personalities that are all hanging out together. And like, I don't know. It just also like, yeah, friends. I have birthday parties and like people don't come. Like, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a nexus type person. I go. I flit from group to group. If that makes sense. I'm not a nexus. 
So anyways, um, never had that experience, but the way they're explaining Mallory, you guys, let's get back to what we're talking about, Nami. Mallory is just like, I, I got, I, actually, I got annoyed. I got annoyed with the way they were talking her up. Not to say that, that it, that, you know, she didn't, she deserved anything. No, 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 no. It's just the, the direction of this was really odd for me. Um, so we have Morgan, who is the newer friend of the Mallory Morgan uh, Miley group. And Morgan starts to date Paul. Now, Morgan wants everything that Paul's family has to offer. Like her whole entire world blew up when she met Paul. Um, they had recently moved from like the East Coast or somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but when you see her parents, you'll understand why she was trying to. <laughs> oh, I mean, we had, um, yeah, they was just. Her mother color. Yeah. This is, this is, yeah, this is Morgan's, Morgan's parents. This is Morgan with Paul's parents. So that's Alec, Maggie, Paul with the hat on and Morgan with the red shirt. So like, you know, she's trying to get out of, did you? Yeah, I'm trying to show something. Paul's parents? Paul's parents? Just going back. Her parents. And I'm only showing in that kind of like 80s looking way, like, look at, yeah, I mean, Paul's mom's fur coat. Look at these dudes and they're like, what they thought were great looking bow ties. You know, it's just, she's going to say it like, he's going to end up saying something at the end of this episode that is like, you know, biting. But she just was, you know, not from a lot of wealth and they are. So, yeah, they obviously a story dynasty and have a whole very successful law firm. And it's been passed down through four generations. And at the same time, one of the Murdos are, is always, this is like DA, this district attorney kind of like, you know, he's always like, you know, it's like, they call it something else. Like, um, city. So I don't know, but basically that person. And so because of that, there's not just the wealth, but there is obviously a family that is incredibly tied to this town and has relationships across the board from every law enforcement person, you know, like every Joe Schmo cop that shows up, you know, the every speeding ticket to all the judges, honey, to like all the clerks, you know, all the law guy, you know, it's just like, it's just anyone involved. It's just so small. And their last name is also basically murder, <laughs> but it's also murder as we've talked about. So as Paul is growing up and uh, we never talk about Buster, by the way, which is another funny thing is like, even in this picture, like Buster, who is the other brother, we basically never talk about. And he will, of course, uh, who's not in that picture, he's in this picture. He will, of course, that red-haired one that looks more like the dad. I mean, here's the thing. Paul looks like his mom, right? And Alex murdered all of those people. And Alex saved himself and his son. And the son looks more like him with the red hair that's off to his side. And he's a goddamn narcissist. So, again, three girlfriends, best of girlfriends. They're dating three dudes, the best of friends dudes. It's like Connor is like a cousin of one. It's like Paul. It's like this. They're living their life, honey. They're, they think that Paul is funny. He is a funny guy. You know, like Anthony is like, he's just about one of the funniest people you ever did her. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know about that, but okay. And they like, he is gregarious and he wants to make people like laugh 
he also is, as, as I've said, incredibly privileged and wealthy. They have various things and he has um, sort of like a chip on his shoulder about that. He thinks he's better than everyone. It's also like that he gets to like have such privilege and, and um, have fancy things. What? Yeah. So I can't remember where I left off, but basically it's the three girls, three yeah. boys, all friends. And they create this bond, but Mallory and most people don't like Paul because while Paul is the rich guy, he definitely like has demons and that demon's name is Timmy. So they even have a name for who he is when he gets super, super drunk. And that's Timmy. Timmy is what they call him. They say the way that he moves his hands. Yep. The way that he behaves, it becomes that. So Mallory's getting kind of fed up with Paul and Timmy. And she's Timmy. Like, oh. sorry, I had to do it. And people want me to do it. Timmy. There, that's it. Let's go. And so Paul, no. So Morgan is having issues with Paul. And she's had issues with Paul the entire four years they're together. They've been together since they were 16, you know. And you know what's funny is that Morgan's parents say that they never met Paul. They met him a couple times, but they actually never hung out with his family. So somewhere in there, there was some kind of either they were too busy, the Murdoch's never invited them, and then maybe they did, and Morgan never said anything. But Morgan was kind of like a little, I felt like she might have been a little ashamed somewhat. And she felt like she had like hit the jackpot and the jackpot was an abuser. The jackpot was mean to her and her friends knew that this, that this person was mean to her. Um, and they wanted to tell her to stop, but it was also hard because they know that the Murdoch's have a lot of power. So it's like, how do you convince your best Judy to leave him when you could be ensorcelled in some kind of drama, especially because your boy, your, your boyfriend, they're best friends with Paul. So it was a lot. And I mean, they work at a, a clothing store. I forgot to write the name of it down, but it's like something like retail therapy. That's the name of it. They all work at a retail store called, a clothing store called retail therapy. And one day Morgan was crying really bad and she came into the um, the store and they were like, you, you girl, you don't have to take this. You don't have to take his abuse. And they don't even know at this point that he's been physically abusive to her, but they know that, you know, they know Timmy. So they know that something has probably happened as far as yelling goes and that kind of behavior. Um, so we also learn that Paul is in love and thinks of this person as his mother, which is their housekeeper, Gloria, um, Gloria Satterfield. So Gloria Satterfield basically raised Paul. Paul thought she walked on water. And at some point, Gloria knew that Paul was abusive to Morgan and Gloria told Morgan, listen, if you want to be with him, then you have to take him with all of his flaws. If you can't handle it, then just get out. And I'm like, that's the kind of advice, that's the kind of behavior. This is the world that they are living in. When an older woman will tell you, as a younger woman who's getting her face beaten, yeah, if you wanna stay with him, you're gonna to have to take that. But if you can't handle it, just go ahead and get out, girl. Like, that is not the advice you give. The advice is you go and talk to your son that you basically raised and tell him to stop hitting this woman. Um, so Mallory, um, go ahead. So sorry, um, just because we're going to talk about life, my trash guy's here. It's just so loud. So we hear that that's what's happening. Um, okay, so let me tell you, an, uh, there's a lot of fun parts of this documentary. A lot of the footage happens on Snapchat, you know, and it's it's LOL a little bit because every time I see all the Snapchat, I'm always like, 
people are still on Snapchat? But I have been asking and saying, people are still on Snapchat for at least four years. And now I have to just be like, yeah, yes. Those kids are on it. They're doing it. Everything, all the footage is happening on Snapchat. They get invited to an oyster roast. Okay. Now, have I ever been an oyster roast? No. Have I heard of one? No. There's a clam bake. But I guess you roast, you roast, you roast oysters. And then, you know, it's like how many, I mean, to me, it's like, that must be a lot of oysters. Because you have to just have a lot because they're barely any sort of sustenance. I mean, it's like a lot of work for nothing. What? Oysters are delicious. Oh, roasted? Why can't I say it? Roasted? I don't know what's happening, roaster, but it's, it's <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't had them roast, uh, roasted. You made me do it. I haven't I had them roasted, but I have had them. They're delicious. I love them so much. I love them with a little bit of lime, some cocktail sauce. Ooh. So yeah, basically you just go and drink. I mean, it's like throw them back, drink, throw them back, drink. Right. I mean, I don't know. That's what, yeah. like, with, you know, I think, you of like being raw. I think of oysters being raw. Mm-hmm. So but, uh, you can bake them. I think I've, I've heard of it. There's oyster soup. So I know that you cook oysters are also a thing. So, uh, if there's a little smokiness in there, I'm sure it's great. So they want to go, but they want to drink and they know that there's cops up and down the boardwalk. Uh, it's not the boardwalk, the drive like around the, in the streets. And so what Paul decides to do is like low key, take the boat. It'll be better and easier for them. So Paul, before he even like starts, he talks about like, they talk about funneling beer, like into someone's mouth, you know? And it's like, when you are older, you're like, what? there's no reason to do that. And it's like, look at this. Like this. There's no reason to funnel beer into your mouth like that. Absolutely. I, that's the one thing I was thinking is like, why? And it's like, he went before he even got on the boat, he like hitched his boat to the back of his truck and then like stopped at a liquor store, used a fake license, his brother's ID, got beer and just got like a 12 case of like natty ice. And my question is why you can't afford tequila? You can't afford vodka. Like, maybe I don't understand the purpose of drinking beer or like slowly getting inebriated, but why would you just ingest so many calories when you can just like take shots of vodka? Chris, do you know why? Do you know how people yeah, drink? Because, okay. So yeah, they don't like the taste of vodka and tequila. They're like dudes that want beer. I also think that I don't drink beer, obviously, but I drink wine. I know that some people like beer with certain like things, you know, like, so maybe oysters and beer is a thing. What I guess is crazy is like, okay, so if I think about, no, why would I, I would never like funnel wine into my mouth if that's what it is. It's like, if I want to get drunker than I am, and I know I have to like, probably, you know, like either drink a lot of wine and just be in it that I'm just, I will get drunk at some point. Cause I know I'm going to be drinking for the rest of the night. And, or if I want it to happen real fast because I'm somewhere or whatever, I mean, we know we have to take shots or move up to like hard alcohol. It doesn't make any sense to like, drink you know like to be like let's chug wine or let's chug beer it's just like just what, what falls everywhere and it's just you know like just you burp like is this you're uncomfortable we, we are just like two two people past that part of our lives to even understand why that would even be mildly exciting and the girls were drinking like white claws i'm like we're okay to explain to me what y'all want y'all want to get there or no <laughs> just go ahead and get you some henny and coke like there are other beverages in which you can imbibe in but besides getting a disgusting pack of natty ice 
and like get it going on a boat. So anyways, he tells them like, let's go on a boat. They get on the boat and they just start to oyster like bake hop along this. I'm going to call it the Mississippi. It's not, it's not the Mississippi. <laughs> the down the Nile, just down the Nile, you know, Huck Finn down the Red Sea, you know, just like paddling and Paul is getting drunker and drunker. And then at some point, Connor and Paul, who Connor is Miley's boyfriend, they're still together. Yeah. Um, Paul and Connor decide that they want to drink one more time. Nobody else wants to drink, but for whatever reason, no one can stop Paul and Connor has his back. So they stop off at this one place. They sit down at the bar, fucking hammer back some drinks, then come outside and they're all walking down like the waterway. And, you know, Anthony and Mallory are just in love, you guys, walking oh. just together in love, right? I and- mean, <laughs> yeah, like about to get married, their parents so happy. I mean, you know, and it's like, I can't imagine being like, well, I found the one. He was the one that I always knew that I was playing with when I was three. That's why, see, okay, let's talk about it. Miley, okay, wait. Miley is the one in black. Wait, is that Mallory or is that Miley? Miley's the one in black. Mallory is the one in burgundy. See, you don't know them. And then, okay, so Mallory's no longer with us, obviously, in the red. Miley is with us, and Mallory's the one that went up to Miley and was like, you're pretty, which is true. Yeah. And then we talk, and then then there's, wait, go Connor back. And Miley. This that's is Connor and Miley. Okay, that's Connor and Miley, yep. Mm-hmm. This is Connor and Miley and Anthony yeah. and Mallory. Yeah, okay. And Mallory, that dress is stunning, good for her. Yeah, oh my, I couldn't look at this like, I mean, Sunny. she looked like gorgeous. Sunny. Honey, in the South, yeah, that's so classy. It's classy. It's like sexy. God, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She had style. She had flair. I really, I mean, I feel bad for her. This okay, is wait. Dad. This is yeah, her mom. Hot. Listen, the dad, they show pictures of the dad back in the day. Oh my God, that dad was he, he, who, he, 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 and he is so sad. He's hot. He's so I mean, Obviously we see his dad, but no longer is young and hot and sad. I mean, happy. He's very much sad because his daughter died and it's depressing. They're divorced. You notice that they never filmed in the same space? Most, I, I think I told you this, like a lot of marriages do not last the death of a child. And then also, um, he's, uh, yeah, that's true. Also, um, he kept, he referred to Mallory's mother as Mallory's mom. He didn't even say her name. Like in, when he, when they were doing it, I was like, wow, you must be mad at her. You're like, yeah, Mallory's mother did X, Y, and Z. And I was like, Sir, you had you laid with that woman and married her and had three children. Now, and she was ripped away from both of you through a crazy situation that you can't possibly blame. I don't know if they got divorced because of the that. I feel like they got divorced or something else. Boy, I mean, I can. What do you think? What do you think that he's on DL? Yeah, girl. Okay. That was giving me gay preacher man every every day of the week. I said that is a man who loves the Lord and also cannot help that he is homosexual. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I picked up. I picked it up, and I was just going to be like, I just want to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway. Hey, I, I. It isn't anything for it, but I mean, he. Let me say that that is got to be the most horrible thing in the world. Anyway, so. <laughs> I mean, horrible. Um, yeah, Mallory. They see them get back onto the boat. At some point, like everyone's like really seeing that Paul does not is not well. He should not be driving. So they start to like make comments about it, start to argue. Connor tries to drive when I'm like, Connor, you're just as drunk. Connor tries to drive. 
And then he gets, Paul gets mad at Morgan for not defending him and slaps her in the face in front of everyone. And when that happens, everyone goes quiet. And I imagine that Paul Timmy just fucking got really pissed because there's no, I mean, there's nothing worse when doing something that you normally do in the dark, you do it in front of people and then nobody supports you and people just kind of get quiet and feel weird. You're just going to act out more. And I feel like that's what happened. And so then they're all trying to like, not wrestle control, but try to get him to understand that he shouldn't be driving. And then he's like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden he just like flies off. He flies, he hits into the bridge. And um, then Mallory and Anthony who are sitting next to each other fly off. Everyone just like flies into the water. And then when everyone gets to the shore, they realize they can't find Mallory. Um, turns out that there was like some kind of blunt force trauma and she passed out and she got dragged down the river five miles. Um, and she was gone. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, this is really, really sad. So yeah, again, the last footage we see of them, they're on this dock and this dock is Mallory and Anthony, like, you know, like loving it up. Like, I mean, looking like they are on a commercial for being in love and like in on a date and you see Paul doing his weird arm thing where you know that he's drunk, which is a stiffness in his shoulder in like in his arm that just is like someone out. They talk about that he would just be so drunk that he would look like you, you, and it would look like a, like a demon would looking was looking at you. But truly, that also he was just so wasted he like could not understand the noises and and sights that his eye was showing him. So, in this fight, they after he slaps her, they're like, "That's one of the saddest things we've ever seen." And he goes, "I'll tell you what's sad. It's sad that Mallory's dad can't provide for her family." This will be, this will be very, very, it's a very telling thing because obviously fast forward to, I'll tell you what's sad that your dad, what, you know, like, yeah, like your dad's family provided for you and then your dad is just going to go and kill you. So I mean, like (laughs) Mallory's dad is not anyway. So, but yeah, like somehow it's sad because Mallory and her boyfriend are right together. He just gets knocked over. And so when she's gone, it's confusing. Like, how are they gone? But she must've just hit her head onto the dock or onto the rocks and just didn't have, she must've just gotten knocked out. And then a lifeless young, very, you know, like young body just got swept down. I mean, you know, like there was no thing. So, you know, this ends in a really horrible way where they then have to call 911 and they're like we're trapped underneath uh you know a bridge we're gonna hear a lot of 911 calls as the series goes on and um anyway so and also a series of breakdowns of like protocol that should have happened they come uh the police uh anthony like won't leave the scene they have to take the others away you know like paul's worried about his life they jump back to a conversation um you talk about the 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 um dui no not the dui but the accident that him and morgan got into prior yes okay go ahead yeah so um they kind of call back to an incident where or morgan calls back to it where she and paul were arguing while he was driving and she kept telling him to slow down and he hit this bend and they went into the ditch and so she got to go call 911 right she was calling 911 he slaps the phone out her hand and it's like, no, don't call 911. We got to call my grandpa because he's really close with his grandfather. So it's like army hammer. Ha ha ha. Um, and so anyways, so he ends up going 
and calling his grandfather. His grandfather, his mother, and his father end up showing up at the scene of the crime. They literally empty the entire car of beer cans and they take all of the guns out of the car because obviously this person is not registered to all of these guns. He's, he's under the age. He's not supposed to be drinking. He's, he's probably 17 at this time. So he's a full-blown raging alcoholic. He drives and drinks without any consequences and, and doesn't care because he knows all he has to do is call his grandfather and they're going to rescue him out of the situation. So this was the one incident when they got into this car accident. When Anthony called 911, he tried to stop Anthony from calling 911 too, wanted to call his parents first um, before you know that happened. And uh, they were like, what are you talking about? Mallory's gone. And so they, they call 911 and that's the only reason. And immediately Paul tells the cops that Connor was driving. So he begins to lie immediately. It's, yeah, like, it's so interesting to me because it's like, you know, we, I live in Los Angeles. Like, if, if, if I grew up here, or I guess I grew up in Newport, like, unless, I don't know where I would be in Newport where, if I was just like a kid and I just like drank too much and I crashed my car, there's nowhere to crash my car, I don't feel like, where someone could just willy-nilly come and save me, unless I was on someone's private property. In the South, like, there's just winding roads. I'm just trying, like, maybe, you know, it's just everything is so urban where I live or in like civil or what's the word city that like if I'm on a street and I crash my car like you know into a light pole like people are gonna see like I wouldn't be able to get I feel like I wouldn't be able to get out of that you know but like there's just like the luck of being on a dirt road in the middle of the south at night that's like and you hit a tree and it's like didn't happen you know it's just a weird it's just a weird thing yeah I mean it definitely is very much of a cocktail or a soup of privilege. Not only do you like are the richest family and own a lot of the law enforcement and have people in every single division possible, but you're also in like a place where it's rural. And so you can have hunting lodges and you can have your kids shooting every type of gun. And there really is no way to to watch them or to, there's no other, there's nobody else watching, especially if you have the power. So it's just so, in, so interesting, like how this ends up working out. And it's really because his friends were like, Hey, you can treat anybody else like that, but we know you, we're not with the shits. We'll tell everybody all your business. And even then it's like, they're still scared for their lives. I'm sure they were very scared to do this documentary. They had to be very, very brave in order to kind of come out publicly against the Murdoch family and say, hey, this is what our experience was. This is the kinds of crimes and cover-ups that we witnessed. In fact, we end up finding out, and I don't know if he's in this episode or next, that Alec Murdoch had been giving the kids alcohol since they were 14 years old. Like, this is like an insidious behavior. And we find out that Morgan used to see, Morgan says she's never seen her parents drunk, but she's seen Alex Murdoch and Maggie Murdoch drunk more than anything because that is culture. They, he's 16, 15, having drinks with dinner with his parents. Like to me, any parent who allows their minor to drink, and I don't care that whole saying of like, oh, well, at least they're drinking in the house. No, you are, you are definitely setting them up for failure because drinking, what drinking does is like helps us to cope with the shitty things that are going on in their life. When you introduce that to a teenager, then they're never going to learn to cope with the shitty things that are going on in their lives without going towards the alcohol because their parents said it was okay. You are absolutely right. I mean, again, not to be like a Francophile, but like a little bit of wine sometimes if you're like, you know, like a little, you know, whatever, if you're with your parents and you're having wine and you're in Europe or whatever, like 
I really don't mind someone having like a glass of wine of like 15 or 16, but that is just me. It's a different situation. And, um, you know, because there is the way in which you use whatever the drug is, like food or alcohol. There's the times in which you use it as like a fun thing. There's the time. Okay. Well, obviously you need to eat food. So that's like a fun thing. But if you have an, an issue with it, can be hard to delineate with alcohol. It's a, such a socially acceptable drug and there's other ones, right? And they vary like not socially acceptable nicotine right now, socially acceptable drug, caffeine, completely socially acceptable. Uh, even weed a little more in California, socially acceptable than smoking cigarettes going to, you know, and then we go to Europe, you know, it's like, it's just whatever it is. But and there's a way in which you enjoy such product and or become dependent and or use a product as a crutch. And I think children watch behavior and emulate. That's all they're doing at such a, a young age. So if you were going to not only show them, be showing them how you're using a drug, but then allow them that drug, you have to be really mindful of what that image is and what, and you know, the circumstance that they're using it. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Um, pretty much as the end of the episode, we're going to dive into just, you know, the horrors of this horrible family and, um, sleep well at night, knowing that he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. All right, you guys. So that's the end of episode one. We left off at the accident and we're going to pick up in next episode, what happens there and after. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you want to see the visuals of what you're listening to right now, you can do so at DocuSweeties, no, Patreon dot com slash docu sweeties and you get this immediately so those of us who are on patreon those who are patreon folk are going to get this like the minute we push end broadcast mm-hmm. um but if you want to find us on our socials chris where do you go you know what you go to instagram and then you type in that at symbol and then you have to put in docu sweeties and then you just copy and paste that and go right <laughs> to, to, TikTok, to TikTok and you put it again and then you follow and like us there and then you copy and paste it go to twitter and then you have to add a one so you put at DocuSweeties and you put a one in there and then you'll find us and then you'll like us there and you'll follow yeah. us there. But let's be honest, Instagram's the place to go and we really appreciate that. Also, we would totally be into you um, making sure that you're subscribing to this podcast or we listen to podcasts and giving us those five stars, baby booze. Honey, five stars. How many murders are in the murder? Wait, how many murders? Bodies is in the murder life. It's the 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 mom, the son. There's Mallory. There's a gate and there's a... Okay, well, you know what? Five. So five stars for every dead body in in alex life all right let's um pick up later thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you later Bye. bye